How you doing, comic fam? Welcome to the podcast. This video is sponsored by Key Collector Comics, the best comic book application that exists on the market. It primarily focuses on key issues and helps you on your quest to build your collection. Use code TOM101 for a free week subscription. Also want to thank our second sponsor, which is our mystery mail call, which provides you comics every month. Enrollment is now open for September. Check the link in the bio down below. Oh, it's going to be good, man. We had a great time last week chatting about comic books, and we're here again today. So let's get into it, because we got news. We got, uh, like, hidden variants going on in the community. We have recall notices. Let's just get into the show. Let's dive in. Hit that subscribe button if you're new to the channel. Welcome to the Bags and Boards show. I'm your host, Comic Tom. Grew up in the back of a comic book store. My dad, he just, like, labored into me that you need to be into comic books. So I am, and I make content about it. Smart man. I am your golden age guru. I let you know about anything old and gold. Dude, you know a lot about gold, and I know you brought a surprise for me today in the comic book community, something to chat about on the mic that I haven't even seen yet. But before we get into it, we got to talk about some awesome stuff that Marvel pulled this last week. Absolute Carnage was a huge deal, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's astounding how big of an event this is for a lot of people and there's a lot of buzz to it and especially when the creators are going a little further with their efforts to make things exciting that's right we had mark bagley famous artist who actually did 20 different sketches in random absolute carnage number ones and those hit the stands and they're starting to be claimed yeah and not only did he just do them he didn't tell anybody so it's not like you go to your shop and your shop owner dug through all of them and is like, okay, well, look what I've got. This gave the fans a chance to find these books just of random. Like if you're flipping through this book, you're like, oh, my God, I have a sketch in here from Mark Bagley. A original sketch. Original. It, it says one of 20 on the inside yeah, cover. There's only 20. This is something really special. And, and I love, love this concept. Like, complete secret. What's also interesting is that Key Collector was one of the first to be notified after someone actually found one of these comic books. That was cool to have a source like that to see one of the images because, you, you know, you have to find them. You know, they're not just out there on, on every, every book, so they're all going to be different. So as of now, we have three. But by the time this podcast comes out, it could be four, five. I mean, we'll throw them up, up, up here on the, the screen. Three for now. That's right. And if you do find one, I find it kind of humbling that like our group here, because we're like part of the key collector team now, are being used as a source to get this information out. This person was like, oh, I found one. I got to go and let key collector know. So we have two Venoms and one Spider-Man sketch that has made it out there and presses all over it. Marvel is excited that people are finding them. I think they were waiting for someone to claim them. So this is, I'm pumped about this. Secret variants are great in my book. It gets people going into LCSs, even if they're not going to buy all of the, you know, carnage books, because they're going through looking for this particular one. It gets them in the store. And I'm a fan of getting people into the store. Let the comic book store then do their job and put some other titles in front of them and maybe start a pull list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, no crazy switcheroos of five being fours and <laughs> landmark issues of 300 being the only reason you buy a book with 15 covers. Just straight up, there is something inside that is a surprise for the buyer himself, your fans. That's right. No tricks. No tricks, man. It's just a gift. They're giving back to the community, and I'm excited about it. If you do find yourself with one of these pieces of art and you want to let everyone know, do us a favor and email us at press at keycollectorcomics.com. It's a good spot to reach out if you have any tips or sources. We'd love to hear it, and we may put you in a video. All right, we got some viewer comments, don't we, Jeff? Oh, we sure do. 
I'm loving this section, man. People have so much to say. They really do. And it's always fun to go through everyone's comments because we really do try to go through everybody's comments. Absolutely. So the first comment I want to mention is by Brad Winters. He wrote, been watching your shows while bag and boarding and pricing. Awesome background news. And that's one of the reasons we did this longer format. So it's something you can just listen to in the background while doing your day-to-day stuff. We talked about this in San Diego when we were kind of uh, piloting you know, what this would be like. And we were practicing. And one thing that we kept going back and forth with is there's a lot of dealers here that are letting us know they're listening to us while they're doing work. And they appreciate the audio portion. So I appreciate the comment. It hits home. It really does. And let me pull up one more comment here. Okay, This is by Kyle Carson. He wrote, yes, get Ryan a neck tat. (laughs) I love that. I've been joking with Ryan for quite a while that he looks like Justin from Blue October. I'll put him both on the screen. You can tell me, comic fan, let me know in the comment section below if you think that they look alike. He thinks I'm crazy. But Justin from Blue October has a neck tat, so I'm always using that as an example. I'm like, Ryan, come on, man, grow that beard out and get that neck tat. (laughs) We'll see if we can get him there. Let Fire Guy Ryan know if you want to see him with a neck tat. We can rile the troops and uh, get it get it done. Yeah, ta- tag him with some neck tat options. All right, and then Mark Spector Comics wrote, don't forget about ASM 344. It's a very undervalued first appearance. Great podcast. Thank you so much for the kind words. And that's a great comic book to mention. 344 is the first appearance of Cletus Cassidy, who later becomes the first host of Carnage. Yeah, and then we can't also forget issue 359, which is really the first time we see... I would guess the Carnage symbiote taking or jumping into Cletus. That's right. He gets infected in this issue. So both of them are more affordable than other books we've chatted about. And ones that you should be keeping on your spec radar. YouTube buzz. You sent me this link. What's going on? Because this got me super excited when I saw this news break this week. This got me excited because it's another alternative potentially for a darker end game. So in this scenario, they talk about it being post time heist and Thanos already being there and destroyed and taken over the world for the most part and then having to face him and while facing him Captain America would have his own skull and head thrown to him like this has already happened in the past and (laughs) Thanos just happened to be lugging around the skull of Cap and potentially others as well. That's right. I guess the idea is that this concept art, which apparently exists, shows Thanos kind of doing a little bit of an homage to Infinity Gauntlet, doing the skull stuff and having possibly a throne with multiple Avengers skulls on it. So Thanos already won. They come back thinking they just got all these gems and that they're going to be good to go. Not so much. Yeah. So obviously, if you think about it as a child seeing this, yeah, it's rough. Be a little too dark to watch Ked, he, Cap's head rolling to Cap. But Thor did cut his head off in the movie within the first few minutes. He's a bad guy. Yeah, right? It's different, right? It is a little different, right? No one wants to see Cap's head off. But yeah. this is interesting. If you would have liked to see this, let us know in the comment section below. love to hear your thoughts. I personally am excited to see what other concepts that they had kind of locked away because they're just now coming out. It's fun to wonder. This is a funny thing that happened. Our next story is about a Kickstarter. Last week, we chatted with Brian Polito, creator of Lady Death, owner of Coffin Comics, because he was doing a Kickstarter. And in this conversation, I mentioned that there were Kickstarters done by other content creators years ago that, although were funded, were never fulfilled. Like, just dead air. No one knows what's going on. Their money's gone They're to a project that they were backing, but there's no update. Well, this was one of the examples of one that has been brought up multiple times, and we're getting some news on it. 2013, Rob Liefeld had a Kickstarter for a Brigade 
I mean, we all remember Brigade from Image back in the early 90s. Now that we're seeing him kind of lose the Youngblood rights and some weird battle between friendships or lost friends, we now see the Brigade stepping up here like almost a week later after that news and apparently coming in New York Comic-Con, maybe later, but potentially New York Comic-Con, we might actually see a book. That's right. It looks like the Brigade Kickstarter may be arriving in New York City Comic Con. Now, he is saying that this is a potential. He's not saying it's going to happen, but he's bringing it up. And I like to hope that this is because, you know, this has been weighing on him. I know his fans have been a pretty aggressive on the internet, and he's fighting off a lot of criticism over his life, and especially over the last couple of years. With the recent success of Major X, you have to assume that he has other Kickstarters he wants to do, and you know he's not going to be able to fulfill anything unless he takes care of the one he funded back in 2013. Yeah, like, I don't want him to just skate by because some of the stuff is deserved, okay? He's getting what he, you know, you reap what you sow sometimes, okay? So, you know, it's time to step up. Six years later, you know, you're a big enough name where if something happens like this, you need to make it right. So it's good to see him making it right with a comic. You know, let's just hope we see it. This isn't just to get to another Kickstarter. Like, okay, I fulfilled it. Hey, guys, give me more money now because I have another Kickstarter. All right, Jeff. So you brought some gold to the table. You told me specifically that you didn't want to show me till we were recording because you wanted to get my reaction. So let me see what you got. Okay, so I want to show you this book. This is a Pioneer Picture uh, Stories. I know this book, dude. Number six. And um, it's a tough book. I think there's like maybe 10 on the census. Okay, that's a 7-0. It's second highest graded. And that came from an original owner collection um, out of Iowa. A friend of mine owns a shop out there, and he got, a, I think, like 400, 500 books. And it wasn't recognized by CGC. Um, CBCS, I think, maybe recognized it, maybe not. It wasn't a CBCS holder originally. I think it was a 5-0 or 5-5. Ooh, got the bump. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I got it from that to 7-0. Anyways, it's a cool book, and it's a cool book because it's more historically cool. Outside of the cover being pretty kind of a more controversial-like image for World War II cover, which is always very popular for comics in general, historically, it's got a cool story at the bottom. What's the bottom label say? It says, The True Adventures of the Man Who Was Trained to Fight Without Fear. More exciting than fiction. Plus, The Legless Ace and 11 Other Features. So The Legless Ace is actually based on a true person. Okay? Really? Yeah. So this is on a person in the RAF, which is the Royal Air Force. So United Kingdom's Air Force, which is one of the, the oldest air forces around. It came back in 1918. So anyways, with that said, this fellow joined in 1928, lost his legs in 1931 doing like aerobatics. Okay. Got in an accident, escaped with, uh, but lost both his legs. He tried to um, stay with the military and stay there as a pilot. Did he lose the legs or he, he lost, lost control? He lost both his legs, legs, one below his knee and one above his knee, I oh, believe. Oh, wow. Right. But he wanted to stay as a pilot, but they forced him out. 1939 comes around. Okay, this is coming to wartime right now. So they needed pilots. He re-enlists. Whoa. Okay, to be a fighter pilot again. Has 22 confirmed battle kills, whatever you want to call them out like there. Like plane down okay, kind of plane thing. down. All right, so he's a, a very established pilot i mean he's really really good i mean he was doing aerobatics was one a couple times before but just had an accident because he took it too extreme whoa okay couldn't give up flying has this great war uh history now of taking out 22 fighters no legs okay gets shot down all right has to cut one of his legs free to escape all right is becomes a prisoner of war in germany for four years, gets liberated in 1946 by the U.S. Army, 
okay, and lives to like 1982, like a ripe age of 72 years old. Holy smokes, man. And that's t- that story's told in here? Yeah, that's what the legless ace is. So I wow. haven't opened it up, but like we gotta there is a this, legless man. war hero from Britain that's really famous. What a crazy story, man. And I like mad respect to this uh, legless yeah, ace. H- right. Let me give you his name. His name is Douglas... Bader. Holy smokes. Well, Douglas Bader, you made it into an awesome comic book, Pioneer Picture Stories number six, graded at 7.0. New to the Guru's collection. Thank you for sharing this yeah, with me, man. Of course. That's so cool. Thanks for bringing that, my man. Um, oh, all right. So I think we should do the Danny Trejo story now because it's just too good to pass up. Let's talk about Danny Trejo. This is an actor who's awesome. He's in a ton of great action movies. You're going to remember him on Breaking Bad. He's also in The Flash. Yeah, he plays uh, Breacher in The Flash, Gypsy's hard-ass dad that Cisco can't seem to win over until finally does. This guy is awesome, man. Dude, he is, man. He's like... His his awesome level just went, like, through the roof for me today. It really did. Like, a lot of people love this guy as a character actor for being a villain or anti-hero, you know, Desperado, Mm -hmm. Con Air, um, From Dust Till Dawn, but this story is pretty awesome. All right, so Danny Trejo, he's in the car. He's, He's driving. And he sees someone blow past a red light, hits another car. The Suburban starts flipping, does flips in the middle of the street. There's a kid in the car. And Danny gets out and runs and saves the boy inside. Yeah, I mean, him and this other person, theoretically, like, not even theoretically, they, they literally come to the, it's, uh, this is all on camera. Yeah, we'll, we'll show some B-roll here. This is crazy. Like, this is all filmed as well. Yeah, he rushes over. The, the, the baby gets unbuckled. All right, it's a grandma in the front seat and her grandson. Okay, he ca- carries the baby and coddles it, pulls it out of the car. Okay, and it's a special needs child. Okay, that's what the grandma said. Please rescue my grandson. Okay, he takes him, and now he has to distract the kid. I mean, this is a, a car wreck. That's right. The grandma is still trapped. They can't get her out. Okay, and he just goes to the boy and he says to him, Do you remember what he says to him? Yeah, he says, uh, You know, we got to use our superpowers. Right, and then he goes, and the kid goes, yells out, superpowers, superpowers. I'm holding him like this, and I'm, I started talking about, wait a minute, we got to use our superpowers. And so he goes, superpowers. Yeah, like just comforting the child after this traumatic incident. And what makes this thing just so much better is that he made the news, and this is Danny Trejo. You're going to get what you get with this guy. He's a real person, and he's shirtless in this whole thing. And I just find that so awesome. You get like a real look at like who this person is, and he's a real man, and he saves somebody. Yeah, he, he is just a, a good person, just a true soul. You can tell he's genuine. He's concerned for somebody else's well-being. He doesn't care about himself at all and just has a conversation and just explains it and just tells you how it is, what it was, how he felt, and like it didn't seem sensationalized in some Hollywood fashion. This is real life. This happened. Yeah, Ken, it's like, what are the odds that he would have been there? But you know what? You know, shout out to Danny Trejo and um, the other individuals who are at the scene who also assisted with the accident. Yeah, everybody else too. All right, let's welcome our friend of the show, friend of the podcast, TiVo from Lords of the Longbox. Oh my goodness, we got one of my favorite YouTubers on the mic with us today. Please welcome TiVo from the Lords of the Longbox. How you doing, TiVo? 
What's up, YouTube? And I see your man Tivo from Lords of the Long Box. What's cracking, Tom? Life is good. Life is good. I want to introduce you to the community here. This is long overdue. You've brought a lot of value to the comic book community over these last couple of years. You've been doing YouTube and creating content for the community for how long? I branded Lords of the Long Box in 2015. I started on Instagram about 2013. I started IG Comic Lords hashtag in 2015. I actually used your show as an example for the members when we were first starting our channel as like an example of how to do quality content for this community. So it's a privilege to have you on and I want to encourage everybody to go follow TiVo. The link is in the bio. But TiVo, your show, you do over an hour's worth of content weekly, do you not? I do. We try to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes a little too long, sometimes a little too short. We've gone two hours before now. We're trying to keep it down to 30 minutes. Uh, we mainly focus on typically comic books that are affected by movies and TVs, which is such a big part of the hobby now. Try to get that insider information out there for the collectors so that the people who just have the information aren't using it all themselves, right? So the average collector like you and I can get those books before they pop. That's right. And that's something that you specialize in. I mean, our show, we talk a lot about spec, but we like to avoid the really long term kind of like breaking news kind of stuff until we're a little bit more ready to bring it to the audience because, they, you know, they really trust us to to show them down that path. But there are other members of the community like yourself that does it so well that I encourage the community to go to your direction because you have been breaking news for a pretty long time. I, I follow you for my long term spec. No, just like everything, some things subject to change, right? A lot of times, you know, whatever the studio is doing change, but for the most part, we've gotten it right. Tom, you kill it too, because I really appreciate the audio, the video. And I'm always jealous because I want to have everybody in studio live, like you guys, you know what I mean? We have to do it remotely because I got my uh, my boy Dark Side Jedi is in Detroit. Nemesis Prime is in New Jersey, Ottoman Empire is in Connecticut. So we do everything remotely. We do it as best we can, you know? Well, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, I was telling Jeff at San Diego Comic-Con when uh, the Shang-Chi news broke, I was telling Jeff well before that, that you were specking on that book. And I didn't believe you. I was oh. like, oh, I'm not too sure about that. And then the next thing I know, everyone on the con floor is searching for that good old Tales of Suspense. Oh, yeah. First Mandarin you're talking about. Yeah, That's yeah. right. You so, remember that? Yeah, I did. I did. I actually left a Tales of Suspense 50 at home because when it specs, I don't want to sell it right away either. I want to give it time to grow as well. And once Tom told me that it was official, oh, man, I, I, I literally went around the con floor. <laughs> this guy's circling. Yeah. Sold two the next in an hour. I mean, for so, so stupid number because nothing settled yet. You know what I mean? But that's what we're talking about. That spec market is so volatile, so fast. So for for you to get that information out is just so valuable and important for so many people. I like to call them um, blue chip stocks, right? You still you have like the easy flippable books that are like 20, 50 bucks. But then there's blue chip stocks. If you get in early enough, too many times people throw around the word speculation as a bad word, right? But people speculate on stocks all day long. That's what drives our 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 market of capitalism, right? I mean, if you think of a comic books that way, you got blue chippers, you got penny stocks, you got the middle ground, you got your Nasdaq, you got you know you got your Dow Jones Industrial. So, you know, if you get in early enough, it's not really a dangerous spec if you get it for a good price. You know, we always tell people, be careful. Things are subject to change, So you know, as do all times of market conditions, right? Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. But like recently, we just found out about Fing Fang Foom was going to be in Shang-Chi. That's a book that's already expensive. And it's been expensive for three years. And now we know why. You remember about three years ago, people started buying up Fing, Fin Fang Foom for no reason at all. Well, right. now we know why. He's tied to the Mandarin, and the Mandarin's going to be in Shang-Chi. He may just be a one and done, but the play is now. 
I love it. I love it. Well, we got you on now because I know that you had some some news that you were saving for the show. And this excites me. And you mentioned it. You know, we're going to preface all this stuff because this is as green as it gets when it comes to speculation. We're talking about uh, sources that are working in the industry, leaking information. So, you know, take all this information with a grain of salt. But I prefer it be out there for the public's consumption, except especially for the collector who's going to be putting a lot of money down. So what news do you got? I would say it's a delicious grain of salt, Tom. It's yeah. not salty. All right. So let me preface this by saying my source has been an industry insider for about 30 years, uh, writing for comic books, writing for editorial comic books. And he has fans from within Marvel and DC, mostly Marvel. And and what he told me one time is really funny. He goes, it's really hard to get anything out of the Star Wars people inside of Disney. So I was like, I said, do you have anything Star Wars? He goes, no, but I have a, some good sources on the Disney side. So this is a Comic Tom 101 exclusive. So we're finding out about some projects that Sony wants to do. And hate it or love it, the Clone Saga is coming via Sony. The Clone Saga is a tangled web Pun intended. <laughs> so we're looking at Peter Parker's clone, which is ASM 149. Ben Riley is Spider-Man 51, came out in 94. And then the big book that most people get is Web of Spider-Man 118, which is, you, I remember Scarlet Spider is right on the cover. Sony has a really kind of interesting deal with Marvel, right? So Sony has all the movie rights to the Spider-Man characters, including Spider-Man himself. Disney has a license to use Spider-Man in their movies, like Far From Home and Homecoming. This is all after, this is, you know, post- uh, Amy Pascal deal, right? So this is when they signed the new deal. Marvel doesn't get a penny uh, when they make a Spider-Man solo film, but they get the creative process on it. Just like, um, like say Spider-Man comes into Civil War or Avengers, they don't. Sony doesn't get any of the money. They basically lend each other out to each other. So to summarize, Sony owns everything in Spider-Verse for the movies. Disney owns everything for the Spider-Verse for TV. Now, the Sony TV stuff, they've yet to find a platform for it, they, although it won't be in the MCU. So it's not going to be on Disney+. Plus. So I think Sony is probably going to, Sony TV, maybe ABC, maybe Amazon, maybe Netflix. Those are the big players now that they, they want to put it on. So Chris Miller has already said on the record, Chris Miller and Phil Lord are the two guys that are now doing the Spider-Man movie since they did so well with uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the animated movie. They said there's 900 characters to choose from. There's roughly about nine things in development right now. Everything from like Craven to the Sinister Six. I mean, you guys remember the Silk and Silver Sable films, but Scarlet Spider is the one that's happening next. Yeah, this next one I'm really stoked about. I know we just touched on that one. That's great and all, but this one is what really got me excited. All right, I know we spoke about it a little bit. Tell me about Spidey 2099. Now, this is another book that people have been, if you've been listening to the whispers, it's been getting hot and hotter and hotter for no apparent reason at all. Well, my source is saying that uh, concept art has been commissioned. So this can be in the very early stages, or it could be, you know, a year from now, two years from now. If you think about how quickly Shang-Chi was fast-tracked, it can happen that quickly. But officially, they have commissioned concept art for Spider-Man 2099, and they want to go forward. And I'm hearing it's live action. So, you know, go, go wild on those first issues. Those are all super cheap. They're affordable. And you're right. That definitely spiked after Into the Spider-Verse with that like fun little ending. But we all knew that that wasn't going to be something big. It was just a fun little item to have post the movie. But now, you know, with this kind of early spec news, it's an awesome book nonetheless. And it's affordable. Actually, both of these books, actually, all of these books are very affordable. So I encourage the community to not just follow TiVo from Lords of the Lombox. I encourage the community to consider this spec news. I mean, clone stuff. The comic book world of collecting and speculation, this is whole new territory now. We've never had 
Marvel with so many different platforms to release things on that there is literally so many different ways they can go with Hulu, with Disney Plus, with the MCU on the big screen, and even ABC and FX. That's coming too. Oh, exciting stuff. We're going to have to bring you back on the show. TiVo, I do appreciate it. Thanks for all the good work you do. And shout out to all the lords of the Lombox. Keep digging in them long boxes, baby. Thanks, TiVo, for being on the show. All right. We got some solar flare news, don't we, Jeff? We're getting solar flare from Scout Comics. Okay, this is by James Hike the third, and the same guy who brought you the mall. That's right. So this is kind of a cool concept. You have a solar flare that wipes out basic electricity and power. All right. And now um, you have this group of people that we're following trying to get from one location to another in a kind of a post-apocalyptic kind of scenario as usual. You know, so, you know, you got angry people who they got to deal with. Look, let's be realistic. We've all seen those, you know, young teens who lose their phone for five minutes and how angry they can be. So imagine, you know, for the rest (laughs) of their life, how angry they are. Okay, That's right. People are pissed in this world. And there's people, there's antagonists that are out there. And this isn't The Walking Dead. This isn't like something, something supernatural. These are people. And in my opinion, that's some of the most scary type of content because it's real. Yeah, it's something that you can actually visualize happening and how it kind of almost feel. Brought to you by the same writer of The Mall, which was also optioned this past year. Scout Comics is a regular supporter of the show. They've sent in Comic Karma. So we do appreciate you, James. Scout Comics, congratulations on the news. All right, so Carnage has been the subject of a lot of conversation, and we have some more news coming out this past week. Marvel has solicited future comic books. So we're going to be talking about what those solicits say. So if you don't want to know anything and you want to stay completely in the dark, this is a good time to maybe skip five minutes ahead. But we're getting into some spec news because we have solicits of two different comic books that have got people buzzing. Absolute Carnage number five. Carnage and Venom to the death. What is going on? You think they can actually kill Venom? Or would they even kill Venom? I mean, okay, so this is a really, really big event. I mean, there's been a lot of time put into this whole Venom story. There's new characters. There's stuff that's blowing people's minds. They have to do something big. I don't see them killing Carnage and having that be an epic thing. And it's being solicited that they're fighting to the death. So that's assuming like one of them's going to die. Do you think that they could kill Venom? Are they lying? I mean, it's just like comic book killing, you know, mm-hmm. gone for now. See you tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know, but what's interesting is that the solicitation for Venom number 19, this is going to come out weeks before Absolute Carnage number five. And it says that the maker, which is the dark Reed Richards, as well as Carnage and Venom, that none of them know the secret of Dylan, that there's more to Dylan that any of them could have perceived. Dylan is the subject of this conversation now. That's a big deal. Right. Because if Venom is killed... I mean, is it Eddie Brock who just dies and the and the Venom symbiote is still there? Or is the Venom symbiote gone and Eddie Brock? And now, if that's the case, who's going to take the place? That's a, right. A new? Something new, maybe? Yeah, with Dylan taking over the suit or having his own suit, it could just be the Venom suit. Because in Venom 16, when we're looking at this cover, we're seeing a black suit in an ice cream sundae. Okay? Oh, I, I noticed that as well. You know, people are focused on this rhino shot, which is a gorgeous cover. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. He's eating pancakes, but what we're seeing is that Eddie Brock is eating the symbiote, and the symbiote is actually leaning towards Dylan. And look, Eddie Brock's not even reacting. So I don't know if this is a sign of him just like no longer going to be the part of it. But and you see Dylan, who's noticing it first and reacting to it first, and the symbiote going to him. It just all these signs point to Dylan 
and Eddie Brock almost fading away in this whole scene. Potentially. I mean, this could be an Easter egg. Are we looking too much into this? Let us know in the comment section below. We also have a giveaway since we're on that carnage subject. This print goes to Kyle Terry. Thank you for commenting below. It's signed by Randy Emberlin. It's a sick print. And guess what? It's coming your way. That's right. And we also have a couple other giveaways to do at the end of the video. So hang tight. Okay, let's chat about this other interesting, it's it's something that's been causing a buzz all week, man. I've been getting tags on Instagram, people DMing me about this. Whenever there's a recall notice, it causes a buzz because the comic book stores get notified, Bleeding Cool picks it up, comic book resources starts talking about it, you're getting key collector notifications, so it caused a buzz. And we have some updates to the news that's been put out there. We got two books in question here, Tom. We have Superman 14 and Supergirl 33. So both these books are allegedly being recalled because they had the wrong runner banner along the top. Okay, it says DC Year of the Villain, Dark Gifts. Now, what's curious is that Catwoman 14 came out today, and that banner's on there, and apparently it's not supposed to be there either, but there's no recall notice for that. Bleeding Cool has put out that they feel like maybe there was more to this story than meets the eye, and that maybe characters inside were drawn slash colored incorrectly. So something on the interior is sounding bigger than it really is. So it's interesting because we're seeing some big numbers on these books already. And the release and the amount that have actually gone out to the population, allegedly, again, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of allegedly's going on here with this, all right? East Coast apparently didn't receive any. Yeah, we know that the warehouse in Memphis didn't receive any, as well as the East Coast warehouse. So it looks like the ones that are surfacing are all West Coast and international. It's like the first batch. So we're having a limited release of already in a limited release, and only on... One, maybe just the West Coast in the Midwest area? Exactly. I mean, these books right now are already going past the $30 mark. With this kind of like more story behind it, we may see it increase. And let's take a look at approximate print counts because, the, uh, rather, circulation counts because we don't have numbers yet, but we can kind of get an idea by looking at past issues and see how they performed. Looking at the numbers for the previous issue, Supergirl number 32 had a run of 18,000, but also had a variant. So that put it at a total run of around 22 and a half. And then Superman number 13 had a run of 24,000, plus it had a another variant as well, which of 17,000, which gave it a total of around 40K. So if we're looking at these numbers and assuming that these are going to be similar to the very next one in the, in the run, you know, it's safe to say like, there's probably 20, 30% of these that reach circulation. Keep an eye out because that means that this is really, really low print that made it out. And with this type of news and hype, you got to be checking the books. If you happen to find them, hit your LCS. You never know. It may have made the shelf. This gives me the opportunity now to give you guys a comic collector tip. Oh, I like this. Yeah. So we use a resource to get our publication numbers. And you can too. Go to comiccron.com and you'll figure out the publication amounts and distributions of books. Yeah, it's approximate circulation, and this is how we're able to source this information to give the community a little bit better of an idea of the scarcity of issues. I encourage everyone to put it in their browser. Check it out. All right, so let's take a break and talk about the spec deck. What is that? Spec deck is a category in Key Collector's app, really right there on the homepage, right in the front. And it's a great place to go to to find potential books that are going to go up in value don't know for sure, but this is a place to get in really early where you can really speculate on something. And I'll give you an example. One book that just popped up, and I believe it just popped up today, was X-Men 191. This is the first appearance of Nimrod, which is getting a little bit of heat because of Hickman's X-Men run. 
That's right. This is the early stuff. This is like not notification worthy, for, you know, like not a key alert. This is the stuff that key collector feels like has some room to grow because of rumors, because of speculation news. I like to go through this pretty often to keep up on what may be coming. All right. We need to talk about this. It's a title I read. I'm a little behind, but we got to talk about Immortal Hulk right now. Yeah, something's going on, man. Something's coming, Comic Fam. You got to be up on this. Something big. Okay, issue 24 and 25 are, are looking like something epic is going to happen. Yeah, major issues, and we got to talk about it because the first thing, issue number 24, stopped me in my tracks. Take a look at this comic book. It's the Hulk. He's breaking the world, the world breaker. Why does this comic book stand out among the rest of the run? I believe every cover in this run so far has happened on the interior of the book. Like to some capacity. Some capacity. If it's a character on the cover, there's a fight in the book. If there's a, a moment in the cover, it, it, a rendition of it happens in the book. Yeah. I don't see Hulk becoming like, like a god size holding Earth. So this is different. Yeah, he's not, you know, Eternals times 20. Right. Okay, or some Celestial times 20, I mean, or Galactus size of a, a world. He's the Hulk. Right. So to hold it, the size of Marvel and it's breaking up like that. Something's happening. Oh, yeah. Something big. Okay. So then let's take a look at the solicit for issue 25 because issue 25 also looks very different than what we have been expecting. I mean, when you look at 25, you're seeing again kind of this off the planet scenario. You have a silhouette of Hulk's face and inside it is our Milky Way system, our entire galaxy, like breaking yeah, Earth is like a third of the is gone. You have like the moon cut in half. The sun is going out. Let me read the comic fam what the solicit says. The heat death of our universe has come and gone. What? The heat death? This is way in the future. What's going on here? It says the Hulk is finally dead. Okay, they're killing the Hulk. Now, billions of years later, the ninth cosmos cowers. What is going on? What could this mean? Those are some serious arrangements of phrases, okay? Because it's insinuating not only the future, and I'm talking way in the future here, billions of years, but the death of our own star, which is our sun, okay? And yet the future is now going to cower still. So is the Hulk still alive billions of years later? God, this is some kind of like creepy stuff, and this has been a creepy run, so it could be. I want to remind everybody, issue number 20, this is something we've been like waiting for to be like hinted back again, but there's this kind of like cutscene After the story's done, there's a page of what looks to be a Bruce Banner who clearly is like, he's like a skeleton. He looks completely starved, floating on a comet. And it says here, after all this time has passed, what are you at the end of all things? The man or the monster? What are you, Bruce Banner of Earth? So this is Bruce. He's got the green eyes here, and he looks decrepit. Yeah, it looks like he's been on that rock a very, very, very long time. We need to be following Immortal Hulk. We need to reread Immortal Hulk because although this is ending at 25, it's likely going to be restarted at number one. You know Marvel loves those number one issues. And this is a title that's too good to let loose. Yeah, I mean, what do you think this guy's thinking? I mean, we're talking billions of years later, and he's Immortal Hulk. I mean, is he just like, 
stop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like... Just let me die? But I guess that's the whole idea behind Immortal Hulk. Forget what he wants. It's what we want. (laughs) The fans, (laughs) right? Keep going, Hulk. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thank you so much to Key Collector Comics, the best comic book app in the world. That's right. I said it. Use code TOM101 in the coupon box to get a free week subscription and you help support the show. I like to remind our audience that this conversation isn't over yet. We may be finishing the show, but once the cameras turn on, we keep the audio going. And we're going to continue this with a couple more stories via SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. What are we talking about today, Jeff? We're going to discuss one of Amazon's, if not its most watched show right now, The Boys. You just watched it. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that. You know, I love me some Garth Ennis. And I wanted to talk about a story you shared with me, your first big comic book purchase. If you want to hear The Guru's awesome story here it's got bernie wrightson in it you're gonna want to stay till after the show's done on those platforms that i mentioned let's give a carnage we already gave a carnage thing away last week let's do let's keep that going sounds like a plan we have two books here and we have an amazing spider-man 360 which is the cameo appearance of carnage and venom number one by bill s and that variant has actually been on the back wall here we had some members reach out in the comments section appreciate the comments and they got sick of the bill s behind me so i took that down and we're going to be giving it away and if you guys like that kind of stuff comment down below you may be able to win both of these comics we're going to send both of these out to one person and maybe in the future i'll keep doing this if you like the comics that we're putting behind us maybe we'll just start giving them away i think that's a good idea let's just give them away let's just do it more studio space guys (laughs) Start commenting. Let's get this stuff out of here. <laughs> Let's do it. Thanks so much, Comic Fam. You give us the best job in the world, as always. Geek responsibly. Enough said. Oh, Comic Fam. It's good to see you. We're not seeing them, man. We're just talking to them. We're talking to them right now in their heads. Their headphones. In the car. They're all over the place. We're in your ear. Yeah, we do appreciate you. Thanks for sticking around to the after show. We got a couple fun stories here. Jeff, you just watched The Boys. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I didn't get to finish, but... I think I'm on episode six, and if it wasn't coming into film this, I would have watched it and binged the rest of it. Yeah, that good. It's it's so good. I, I mean, I highly recommend the show. It's uh, I didn't read the comic, okay, but I'm sure the comic is probably even better. But this is dark and gritty, and the acting's good. It's it's just really a fun watch. You know, we were at New York City Comic Con and they were really heavily promoting this and I didn't feel the buzz, man. My dad was buying boys out like two years ago. He's been selling his number ones over this last year and he was letting him go and he's like, yo, I don't see any buzz on this. I think I was a failed spec because he, he was investing in the boys because he's a big Garth Ennis fan as well and we both love the run. I mean, I've read the first trade. It's dark. It's super mature and I was really surprised that it actually made the screen. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking maybe it was the name. It's the name that kind of throws people off. Like I saw the boys too. I didn't know anything about the boys. I saw the boys everywhere. It's just another title after a while. But it's unique. But man, it's good. Yeah, you know, it follows the the problems of superheroes living amongst us, but in a different way. This isn't like X Men status where they're being segregated. No, this is like they're too popular, they're too full of themselves, and they need to kind of be brought down to reality. Yeah, I don't know how much to spoil, but yeah, that's basically the premise. You know, you have these these superheroes who get run by more of a corporation. Right. They're not really living like heroes. They're just being run with like, you know, their their poll ratings of how they're um, trending at the moment. So it's very much like 
everything's perceived in a way for society, but behind closed doors, they're not who they appear to be. And a small group who's been affected by them, like outside of the public eye, like, you know, you might have lost somebody because them being reckless is standing up for themselves and seeking revenge on these superheroes. Interesting stuff. You got me interested to actually pull the trigger and watch this show. I, I wasn't anticipating liking it, but you know what? I'm going to definitely watch it and maybe we'll bring it up on a future show because you're right. Amazon's most watched show and as a comic book show, this is good stuff for the community. Yeah, you, you have to watch it. And I, I really can't recommend a show right now any more than that one. All right. Now we got to chat about awesome story that you shared with me because you, you showed me your private collection over this last few months, looking at some dope books. But one of the books that I pulled out was the first appearance of Swamp Thing. Yeah. So I have a House of Secrets 92. And um, when I was about 12, uh, 13, a friend of mine and I both went into a book. I was the comic collector. He was more of a sports card kind of guy, but he was tagging along and went to these cons. And um, we both split a book and that was the book we split. Okay, House of Secrets 92. Okay, a dealer out here in the area. It was also the first time I met Stan Lee. Oh, same time. Same time. Same con. Um, There was no line. Okay. Okay. This book was already signed, by the way. House of Secrets 92. It was signed on the very first page. Bernie Wrightson. So that got me even more excited because I liked the Swamp Thing. Stan Lee, no line like I mentioned. Didn't cost a thing. You can walk up to him, have him sign a book. I go over there. I give him my ASM 122. And I give him my Marvel Universe card, Series 1, which has got, like, him divided in, like, 15 different characters, okay? He signed both of them, had a quick conversation that a 12-year-old could have. And I remember that to this day. I'll never forget it. I still have the card. And I still have the comic. I even color-touched the comic just so it would look that better. That 122, is that that's the one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, I remember you showed me that. You're like, oh, look at this 122. I did all this color touch when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was the same one. That's the one. Uh, but the House of Secrets 92 was a big buy, and it disappeared on me for a very long time. My friend ended up keeping it, okay? So he held on to it for, God, I've known this guy for almost 30 years now. Oh, wow. So he held on to it for about 25 years. I hadn't seen it since I almost bought the thing. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, do you still have that comic? And he's like, yeah, I still have it. So I was like, can I buy you out? Because you clearly don't care. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You had an opportunity to get it back, and you did. Yeah, I was at his mom's house the entire time. And I was like, wow. who knows what moms would do with it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's the same story, man. We hear that all the time. My parents threw out my comics, or you know, they thought it was just garbage at the time. So who, who knew? Like, that's a crazy story. You had an opportunity to get it back, and you did. And I did. And I, I mean, I paid him fairies, my friend at the time. But sure. That book's jumped a lot since. But I have that book, and I'm excited. You know, I look at it every once in a while. It's just in my personal. And it's one of those things. It's not my most expensive book, but it's like it's tied to memories. And I'm a sentimental fool. And um, I'll keep it as well as that 122 probably forever. Yeah, I have a couple of those books myself that just for sentimental reasons, I, I keep them close. And, you know, Bernie Wrightson, it's definitely a signature that I've uh, been after for a long time. Him and Kirby, I've always wanted a signature from each of them. And it's unfortunate now that they're both passed and it's a lot harder to find, but they're on my list and I've never owned them. I've owned like, I don't know, 10, 15 different Stanley signatures. They come and go all the time. But Bernie, Kirby, nothing, never. I always open up. I'm like, oh, it's a Kirby book. I got to look at that first page because he loved to sign on that inside first page. 
Yeah, that's a great place for them to put it. I mean, that was kind of what they did. They didn't sign over the art of the cover. Right. Just right there, first page. It's all you needed. Kind of wish that was still what was being done. A little bit, right? Keeps that cover clean. But you know what? Thanks for sharing that that story, man. I, I hope the comic fam appreciates it. You know, we have more of these kind of like stories from our from our uh, our past, you know, our past collecting. And I like to remind myself that there's people out there who like to hear it. And I forget, you know, I forget sometimes, you know, the crow sitting back behind me. That's a great story, a CGC story that I don't think I've ever really gotten into detail on the mic about. And I'm sure you have more, too, that we should probably chat about and bring out of the mic. Man, every book's got a story, it feels like. Right. You know, everyone can remember these. I mean, everyone has these books that they remember when they got them, where they got them, you know, what they paid for them. There's usually a story behind it, especially if it's a cool key book on how you got it. If it's not the book, it's the people you're buying it from. They're unique in themselves sometimes. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to give a big thank you to our audio listeners. The podcast is performing way better than any of us thought it would. And it's largely because of you. You guys have expanded our reach by consuming the content via audio. Clearly, we're doing something right. If you liked our video, please let us know by rating it on whatever platform you're on. It goes a long, long way. If you got to this far of the show and you're still listening to us, you know what? We're going to ask you to do that one thing. Also, the giveaways that we did today, these are things that are exclusive to YouTube. I want to remind everybody who's listening that you just got to go to the video. You don't even have to watch the video. I encourage you to just so you can see the books, but hit the comment section. Just throw a comment down there. That'll include you in the raffle. We don't have a way to do a giveaway for our audio listeners just yet, but this is a way that you can still participate. Thank you so much, Comic Fam. We do appreciate your time today. We'll see you next Sunday.